I think all of that resonates together because they're 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 ghost stories and ghost stories are or scary stories are by their very nature stories about the threat of harm or violence ghosts would not be scary if we didn't think they could somehow hurt us or, or make us like them or take control of us in some way and so you you get all of those basic sub-intellectual human fears that anything that is foreign from our subjectivity is malevolent. That's right, the fourth, the fourth film. Um, I don't have a favorite, but this was a very <laughs> compelling uh, video. Uh, I remember you liked the bombs dropping at the end. kind of harkens back to some of the things that we've talked about before with the ones that were were solely archive footage and, and there was like there was at least one in, in Hikikomori as well but you what what's new here is that you you definitely manipulated this film you know the first or second image you see is planes superimposed shots it might be superimposition of the same shot where the planes are crisscrossing each other and so you have planes flying through the sky and then you start getting kind of planes eye view you know pilots eye view guns mounted on the sides of the planes are kind of coming out and going down the horizon line As the as the film as the images kind of progress, you you get some aerial bombing shots, some carpet bombing shots, just dropping bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. After bomb. 
at it visually, it it reminds me a lot of Man with a Movie Camera in the sort of the way that frames and like sort of spacing and edges of frames have been manipulated to a degree and pieces have been superimposed on one another. I, I really like the way, so what I, I mean what I did was I took, the, it's exactly the same image, but what I did was I flipped it and then I put some effects on the one that was on top that was being superimposed over to give sort of the, the rounding of the one frame, which then allowed the other frame to actually kind of so it's like if you look at the frame, it actually looks wider on the bottom than on the top. It has a little bit of a, a rising up, which is then just be, the what caused that then naturally caused everything else to kind of sort of get weird. There was just something about the combination of them that, that seemed to really speak to something that I'm not quite sure of. It certainly spoke to the song, but I just, I, I loved this, the sort of it, it gives you the illusion that you can f fix on what the image is but n not really like you can get a sense of like what you talked about what the film is about but it sort of also inverts it at the same time you know while having some of those archivists this brings us back to kind of how we were discussing your use of superimposition in particular. Where the material of the the film grain combined with like when they're shooting guns or when certain plane shots are going and it just, it's just the nature of the way everything's coming together that like sort of exponentially increases the violence of the image. And there was something about that that was really interesting to me where you're not seeing the object of destruction, like you're not seeing what's being destroyed, you're seeing the thing that's causing it and you're just sort of overemphasizing its attack. This one was really sort of the beat driven to keep pulling it forward so it wouldn't seem like we were just kind of hanging on an idea. Like I almost wanted these to be as fast as the planes flying so that it would really kind of present this sort of weird discombobulation of being in the middle of something rather than on the outskirts looking at it happening. So this was much more about, especially with sort of the gun turrets and everything sort of being in that moment rather than outside. Film started as the moving image. Film became the marriage of sound and vision. And that's never stopped. And it never it never will stop. Because it's getting closer at the interplay between perceptual reality and our internal reality. And so when you put visuals and carefully manipulate those visuals to adhere to a certain musical score or, or a certain you know palette of sound you are getting at the things that you know the two sensory organs that influence our minds the most I mean we are we are visual and hearing creatures well, and it provides, like, I mean, in terms of, like, what we've been doing here with these films, like, it provides such an avenue to see things 
you believe you know differently. I mean, we've been able, one of the things I think is really great about this series of 15 films that became is seeing something we you believe you know, but seeing it f- sort of flipped on its ear a bit mm-hmm. and not, not, tr- not trying to ascribe an ideology or, or anything like that, but merely just sort of flipping on its ear a bit and, and asking you to see it a little differently and then let that go, like, let that take you where it's going to take you. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, I knew from the first scene of this video, I mean, just kind of like, you know, going back to the video where they're building that house and it looks like they're building a house and it's actually a nuclear test. You know, that genuinely surprised me. You can't look at those images the way you cut them and immediately put, oh, this must be a nuclear test. Like, that just is not going to come to your mind with the visual information that you're given. On the other hand, I knew what this was from the moment it started. But even then you've managed to shift I think how how people you know how a a viewer um, would interpret this kind of stuff and like yeah like you said you you emphasize and where you do linger and it's hard in a you know it's hard in a three minute music video to, to linger really on anything but where you do linger is is you know just seeing literally I mean just in the few seconds that it's up there on the screen you know you see 13 or 14 of these bomb cylinders falling they look like pillows they're just like somebody's throwing pillows out but they see you realize what they are and the the what the end reality is going to be of these things just kind of softly falling out the back of this plane. It really does change your perspective. It it manipulates kind of your emotions in a diametrically opposed way to probably how it was used as newsreel propaganda. And I think that's, that's the interesting thing about using this archival footage and what you're able to do through the magic of editing and some of the some of the the image manipulation but for for this one you know even if the superimposition wasn't there i think you accomplish something in editing that's pretty novel and 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 like you said turning the original source on its head a little bit Which leads us to probably the least straightforward of any of the films in the sequence. And you've saved the best for last. Fifth song for Funieri. It was the only one that I think didn't suffer too much from the machine elves, from the sonic and digital manipulations that were going on that that I didn't really have an understanding of how they were happening or why they were happening or what I was doing to cause them if I was doing anything but it was the it's the only track that I literally just redid that I, I I put it together listened to it and said that was bloody awful 
and start it over. Um, it was, it was, it, you know, in in keeping with the fact that I don't think you or I, and I think it's it's evident that you or I don't have any respect whatsoever for sequence. Um, it was the first. It was the first track I did. It wasn't the fifth. It was the first, and I knew it was going to be at the end. So I deliberately did the fifth track first because there were certain sounds that I wanted. I knew, again, having the story outlined in my head, I knew what I needed that music to convey. And I knew it was going to be hard to, there was going to be more choice, really, with what I was, what, how the, the means of, of conveyance for the other tracks. Um, I would have a lot more choice, a lot more freedom, a lot more um, opportunities to kind of improv or, or you know, you know, throw caution to the wind and, and, you know, be chancy with it. But the fifth one, I had an idea. Is that the only one you really had an idea going into it? Yeah. It's the only one, the only one, the whole, all 15 songs. I, I just, for some reason, I don't know what it was. I just, I knew what this song was going to sound like or at least what I wanted the song to sound like literally from from the moment I started it's, it, it's fascinating how looking at how the video plays into that it's also one of the shortest songs you know feels like an ending or at least I think it it's a it's a roll the credits kind of kind of tune and my ideas about about what the song can do and the ideas that i had for it were completely changed the first time i saw it with this video really almost solidified it was it it proved it proved me right for putting the work that I put into it and and not settling the way that I felt like I was being forced to, to choose and forced to, to take a direction with some of the other tunes because weird shit was happening that I wasn't prepared really to 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 scrap and 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 you know and wouldn't wouldn't allow myself to do that but with this one, you know, I did scrap an early draft. When I saw it married with this film, it actually caused me to listen more intently to the song. And I heard things that, you know, even though I mixed this track and, and mastered it myself, I didn't hear before. And I think it was, again, like you said before, it's the combination of the sound with the visual that you know again is 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 having some influence over our receptivity to it so i i think it actually makes the song better I always try to play with how it, oftentimes it's the material, the image, or things like that. Some of that to me is, you know, a flickering effect interacting with the sound. So like in this case, there was, you know, manipulation of the image to a degree to allow 
for what seems like just digital artifacting to actually be a creative evolution that's hinging on something that's in the music. And I've, I've always been one to like that sort of thing that where you can create something that seems like it's just that sort of chance happening that wasn't intended when it actually was intended to kind of manipulate the interpretation. But it doesn't come off that way. So let's talk about what it actually is. For this, I sort of, along with it being sort of an end, I saw this somewhat if you watch the films in order, almost like the a, a rebirth of a world after a demise. So whereas the end of the fourth video has a blanket of bombs dropping to who knows where and to what end, this is then almost like what happens in the soup when it's all being like a, a back to zero. I really wanted to play up on so much of what these films have been, even when they're really dealing with organics of war and stuff like that, is about the digital manipulation and interpretation of that material. So I thought kind of very much in a color palette like radioactivity and something of a, a, a birth of a new world after things have been discovered. But then also really kind of playing up the idea of even in that moment, like in this case, I don't feel like you think you're there watching this, whereas in the fourth one, it's built around being in the cockpit. This is much more about back to seeing through screens and, and a, a distant relationship, which in my mind is almost like this is what's happening after the fact when no, no one's around to see it. I wanted the real sort of abstract sort of playing on the idea of, you know, the moment something observed, it immediately changed its behavior, but at the same point with, like, amoebas, you get more of a sense of, like, they're doing their thing and they don't give a shit about you. And I wanted that sort of movement that they have, that is there of just very sort of, you know, spinning and going into things and other things. Like, I was, I, I don't know why this track did, but I just really got caught up on the way that image could work, where it's just sort of all these things happening at the same time without sort of any clear reason as to why, other than if you connect it to the last image of the fourth video. And just really playing up that I didn't want it to be sort of some static microscope image, I wanted it to be that these things were like on fire and alive with entirely new proteins and new cells and like all things that have just like come about from the last 14 films. So I played a lot with color manipulation and like I said like putting glitches in the in the image to really work up so it, you know it's taking their sort of frame but then genetically modifying the insides so that it just becomes something otherworldly. You know, I've always, I was always kind of pulling with these a very light brush of sort of science fiction considerations in cutting these. So like a lot of the sort of abstract and avant-garde ideas that were pulled in were drawing from really trying to think outside the reality and of what we know and trying to think in that sort of mindset of the way a lot of science fiction develops. And so this was the most that fed that line sort of, this is the end point in my head yeah you that. do you do a lot to make the mundane world strange i like that you didn't do any i mean because you very easily could have just done just kind of gone i mean taking that science fiction motivation and 
gone in a totally different direction and just done stuff abstract or stuff that you created digitally, but you didn't do that. Is there anything else you want to say about the about the fifth video? Did I did I get everything? Did I do it I right? I think so. No, I think that was. <laughs> yes, you do not have to okay. go to the principal's office. Um. <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, so that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, those of you who are listening, brings us to the end of this season, finally, of the White Man. <laughs> And the white whale will, of course, as all white whales do, continue into the, into the unknown future. But this is where I get off the bus. And it's been a genuine pleasure discussing this creative process with all of you. And I hope that you will continue to give the white whale your attention. And I also hope that, that one day there will be a, a window for me to, to come back talk about something else or some something else or someone else or talk to someone else or something like that um anything you'd like to say garrett oh i don't think so i think that was nice Do you have any said. plug would you like um that, that, that's that's something that you do in these podcast things right you plug things Supposedly, yeah. No, I um, I'll I'll let the world unveil itself okay. as it comes. I'll let the people keep being surprised. Right. Well, um, yeah. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Garrett Tiedemann and all at the White Whale Podcast, I'm John Barney. Nice. All right, I'm hitting stop. <laughs> 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 <laughs>